nobody like this You ain't seen nobody like this You hear my sound all over town singing Good evening and welcome to San Antonio Soccer Roundtable. My name is Harry. Uh, joining me tonight is Red uh, from 451 Podcast out of uh, Detroit. Uh, we're going to talk uh, Detroit City and you know their path from NPSL all the way to starting in USL Championship uh, about 24 hours from now, actually. 24 hours and 20 minutes or so uh, before the ball kicks off. Um, reason why I wanted to bring Red on, um, and this is hopefully something we're going to do every week that we can, is to kind of highlight the opposing team, kind of get the, you know the uh, view from the other side uh, with that here. So, Red, do you want to thank you for uh, taking the time out on a Friday evening to talk about uh, your Detroit city? Yeah, no doubt, man. Harry, thank you. I appreciate you for bringing me on. Look forward to it. It's always good to connect with uh, you know supporters. Uh, uh, in various ways, connected with supporters <laughs> across the country, we'll just say that <laughs> it's it's been an interesting uh, couple of days here uh, between Detroit City and San Antonio FC and the supporters groups on social media, which I am the one that inadvertently uh, kicked that off, evidently. So, do the fire um, starter, huh? <laughs> and just uh, for full disclosure here, um, I do. I am. I don't consider myself an owner, but I know that they sold the ownership shares. So I do have, uh, you know, you know, a couple of shares of Detroit City. So it is a team that I follow. It is a team that I really respect. It's a team that I think does things the right way. Um, even before coming into USL Championship, you know, along those lines here. So um, this one, you know, I... I have a basic understanding of Detroit City, you know, from from an outsider's view, but uh, nothing like Red, you know, will be able to provide along those lines here. So, um, to me, uh, you know, and I'll kind of start off on that. You know, I think that's a unique, and I know Chattanooga has done it, and I know a couple others have done it here, but um, I think it's a really unique thing, you know, especially coming into USL Championship, where you have individuals like myself you know, as quote unquote owners, um, you know, in, in the club here. So your kind of initial thoughts when Detroit city did that and, you know, how has it been, you know, obviously, you know, I get the emails, you know, I don't go to the the functions that's, you know, for owners up in Detroit, obviously. So um, your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it was great. It was great to have the opportunity, you know, our supporters for our club, are so dedicated to what we've been building for the last 10 years that, you know, brothers and sisters that, that are here, you know what I mean? Are always um, jumping at the opportunity in various ways to invest in the club, 
you know, it, it going back to even the investment in helping uh, restore uh, and ways Keyworth Stadium, you know. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think that that was a big thing, you know, for anybody, and regardless of whether or not we would even get uh, Class B ownership shares or, you know, be investors <laughs> of the club in that way, you know. Um, I, I think that the relationship that has been built over the last decade uh, between um, – the front office and the supporters. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think that they would have even had to give us shares. <laughs> you know what I mean? They could have asked us just straight for investment. You know what I mean? And right. we would have all jumped at it. But of course, it, it's great. You know what I mean? And obviously, you know, there's different levels. You know what I mean? Of ownership that you know grant mm -hmm. you different kind of say. And you know, we've got a pretty um, minimal say in terms of what that kind of ownership provides us. But even before we got an opportunity to invest that way and become legitimate. Um, what I usually call micro owners of the club, we always had a sense of ownership with the club. And it wasn't just in terms of entitlement as supporters, you know, oh, we make, we, we run this stuff. You know what I mean? You're going <laughs> to listen, but we've always had, there's always been that mutual respect. You know what I mean? And if right. you listen to they work together. Yeah. If you listen to Sean, Todd, Alex, Dave, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Four of the five original owners, you know, especially when you listen to Sean man talk, you know, he always say, you know, they, they're the host of the party, um, you know, uh, but, you know, but we are the party, you know what I mean? Um, and, and they, and they realized long ago that, you know, we're the ones kind of leading the wagon here and um, have in many ways allowed us to, to take that lead. So I think even before we had this opportunity to financially invest in the club, a lot of us already took a sense of ownership. You know, that's why, you know, that's why, that's why you see what you see on match day. That's why you see the podcast. That's why you see the presence on social media, because it's always been our club. You know what I mean? We've mm -hmm. never, for the most part, the culture of the club among the most, hardcore supporters has never been one of just a consumer right and, and we've actually bumped i, I know i have i've i've ticked some of my brothers and sisters off at times saying like cut that consumer stuff out <laughs> you know what i mean like this is our club you know what i mean but some of us have different roles in this club you know what i mean some are in the front office and of course we want to have an independent supporter base you mm -hmm. know I, I agree with that you know um but without a doubt you know that's i think that's been a creed for a lot of the supporters for a long time so it was it was great it was a great opportunity for us to once again like financially invest and obviously it wasn't just about you know, let's pay, let's pay supporters back by giving them a, you know, a, a, a legitimate piece of ownership. I mean, I don't think that was the catalyst for the move. Right, Obviously the either, yeah. there was a financial issue going on. Um, you know what I mean? That, you know, we needed to be able to support the team in a way to help stabilize it during a global pandemic. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you, when you're in the business of gathering large groups of people in a space and all of a sudden you can't do that. Um, that's serious, you know, and so, but the good thing is, is that they could trust that they could turn to us when they needed to do that um, and, and trust that their vision as the original founders of the club and the front office was always in, in concert with our vision as supporters overwhelmingly, you know, so, so it's good to have that trust established. So for Detroit City, they started out in the NPSL, um, which is a semi-pro league uh, for that here. I want to say, what, 2013, 2012 timeframe, I think is when it was. 
when when we started off there in yeah NPSL. Uh, yeah, you guys were what, 10... yeah, we launched in 2012. Yep, in NPSL. So, so this is our 10 year anniversary this year. So, and like I said here, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and, and I remember catching, and this was probably 16, 17 through there, and catching, you know, some of the shows and. You know, you know, like Jason Davis, I believe, uh, you know, did a did a did a show up there, Um, you know, and and a couple other national shows. And what stuck out to me was, you know, was number one, um, how they treated those players that that came to play with them. Um, And we're talking about, you know, kids that are in college, most likely or, you know, high school. But it became a destination spot for college kids along those lines. So it wasn't just Michigan, you know, students from Michigan, you know, I remember listening to a show you had, you know, you had kids, you know, top college players coming all over from uh, United States to, you know, to play for Detroit city and many, you know, made several return trips here. So, um, you know, as a supporter of the group, what was that kind of like being able to help build that foundation of, you know, not only, you know, are we going to be good in the community, but we're going to provide that, that solid foundation to be able to help build the future stars, uh, you know, whether it's men or women, uh, you know, for the game. Yeah. I mean, I think I can speak for a large portion of our supporter base when I say that when a new player, whether man or woman comes into the fold, that we receive them as part of our community and we nurture that gift (laughs) that we're given you know what i mean in that sense you know we know that when we were in npsl obviously um like i would say even when we were in npsl we were a professional club now Mm -hmm. we didn't pay our players right Right. but you acted like it but without a doubt we the the foundation was built from the front office um and through the technical staff um in a very professional way that a lot of um, particularly the men, right? Because the women, it's a, it's a, you know, new formation uh, with our women's side, but the men, a lot of the players, you know, when I, when I interview players for the 451 podcast, I mm-hmm. asked, I always ask them this question. It's a two part question. I said, we, let's, we first, we, what, what was your journey coming to Detroit City FC? Why did you come to Detroit City? And then if they played more than one season, I asked them, why did you come back? Hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because we all have been in Because a lot of them do, though. That's, that's oh, the yeah. thing. A lot of them right. come back. And and a good example is, um, for example, in this, in this newest season, in season four, in episode two, I got a chance to sit down with uh, Lay Diop, mm-hmm. right? And Lay came to the club when we were still in amateur outfit and this was he played for us after high school before he even started college you know and so we were having that conversation um me and him and he, he was remembering just how he was treated and how he was made to feel when he came and he he, he talked about you know the the care that 
you know, he received when he came into the fold here, you know, not even just from the way that, you know, the coaching staff is obviously Trevor James has a really special way of, of working with the players, you know, is not just <laughs> treating them as a little, you know, chess pieces that he's moving around a board. You know what I mean? Obviously when they're on the pitch, you know what I mean? They're at mm-hmm. his mercy in terms of that, you know what I mean? But the, the level of relationship that he builds and making sure that their well-being is taken care of, you know what I mean? And then Tiffany James, you know what I mean? Who's the assistant general manager, um, you know, in the fold with that as well, you know? So there's really intentional things that were done from very early on. And then not even just from the front office and the technical staff doing things like that, making sure that they're taken care of and their basic needs are met, you know what I mean? Like they have good living conditions and, you know, stuff like that's important apparently, you know? (laughs) I know we've experienced a few (laughs) clubs that we played against that didn't seem to realize it i don't know but um but there's that piece but even by the supporters you know what i mean you have Mm -hmm. a lot of supporters who will come together and you know they'll make meals for the players you know what i mean they'll reach out one of one of the you know one of the the newest contributor to the 451 podcast kelly that just um Mm -hmm. joined you know what i mean she's played a vital role in helping out um uh, players that come to the club and get and helping them find, you know, residency and meals and like all the basic stuff, you know what I mean? And so this goes back, you know what I mean? 10 years where that kind of, um, that kind of accommodation was embedded in the culture of the club. And so there are a lot of players, even back then as, as, as amateurs, not only that, but when they come into the space, here um, in Detroit, even on match days, for us as supporters, one of the primary reasons, if not the primary reason, why we raise so much hell when they're on the pitch and sing for 90 plus minutes isn't just because, you know, everybody's <laughs> half of them are drunk out of their mind and just dancing, right? But it really is, you know, the purpose of it is to be uh, a source of adrenaline. Mm-hmm. for the men and the women on the pitch you know what i mean it's there to uplift them you know what i mean so it's very centered and and they and it's very centered on 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 helping to uplift and exalt them in their roles you know what i mean and, and i think that's just built into the club and and it's reciprocated you know what i mean these you know men and women do so many phenomenal i've had um <laughs> i had even uh sean claude lawson when he was here when i've got a two-year-old daughter when my daughter was just born him and his mom drove all the way over here to the west side of detroit and dropped baby clothes off to me oh wow <laughs> you know what i mean like that's the kind of relationship that is built you know um so you know, I think that there's nothing uh, there. There's a very genuine and authentic relationship like that that is built from very early on uh, that I think players gravitate to that, you know, and sometimes we might we're not going to have the biggest we didn't have the biggest budget in NISA. We ain't going to have the biggest budget in USL, you know, um, in the championship. But, you know, if we can um, if we can have players when they're coming here especially the newer players that are coming here for the first time feel what it means to be a part of this club. Cause I can't even verbalize all of it. You know what I mean? I can right. only articulate verbally so much of it. You need to be in that present and presence and feel it. You know what I mean? Um, and they feel that. And that's, and that's the same conversation that I have with so many of them. You know what I mean? On the side is that they remember how we made them feel, you know, it's basic dynamics of relationship, right? <laughs> It is. Now, the other thing that I think that Detroit City did very well, obviously, the, the they have a great game game day, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but 
the ability for them as an NPSL team to put their product out on television, I think, you know, local TV, even at that time. Yeah. Um, but even if they weren't, they, they put out a, to me, they were the leaders at, at this level of being able to televise or, you know, put your games over the web where, where, where you could watch them that way here. And for a lot of them, it was home and away, uh, you know, for that here, which, you know, to, to me it is still even a rarity uh, for that here now. You know, you know, I, I joked around, or I think the running joke was that when you guys went to NISA, that your quality of shows was better than what NISA, the league, was putting out. Uh, you know, for that here, so. you ain't wrong. You ain't wrong. <laughs> I, I and I was and I was going to bat for for my kuju. I was like, give it a chance, give it a chance. <laughs> it's affordable. It's wide reaching. There's people who can't. Oh man, it sucked. But it's it's, <laughs> it's like I follow UPSL here, um, UWS and uh, WPSL. It's it's great along those lines. And I know to me, NPSL, yeah. you, you know, uh, USL League Two is a shade above those levels here. Um, you know, and I know U.S. soccer does a poor job of putting up a proper tier uh, for that here. But to me, like, you know, if, if you're at UPSL, you know, you know, UWS, you know, that's fine because, you know, you're actually being able to get it. But uh, to me, like I said here, ha- you know, you know, that is part of the reasons why I, you know, I, I did the ownership shares with Detroit City is because you could tell they were already a proven uh, or a professional organization, even though they were um, in NPSL. So moving to NISA, um, without going too well, much and, in and, that and rabbit and hole. Oh, go ahead. And one one other thing, though, about that, uh, one of the things I think that is a, a big credit to our broadcast, though, is Alex Wright, who is one of the, uh, you know, one of the founders of the club. Um, you know, he, he's got a background in that. Oh, does he? So Yeah, so he knows he's got a, he's got a background in local television production um i can't remember exactly where he worked but so he knows what quality is and what quality ain't. you know if you had if you had red running those decisions man we <laughs> it'd be it, it, you know, it would be well, i think you, you do a good job I, i've listened to your podcast and me i'm more of a plug and play where, where you do a lot more you know mixing in and and your, your your shows are a lot more interactive with uh you know different different things uh, compared to mine um nisa though uh you guys basically ran nisa won everything you wanted to win um along those lines and and i'm not going to try to to you know rip nisa because i think they unfortunately had the worst timing of trying to open up a league uh you know with, with the pandemic you know with the issues with the cosmos which you know some of it was pandemic some of its ownership issues um just oh you know that whole line there but your thoughts on on the nisa years i know you guys won a lot um but i'll say this here um there was another team that went into nisa at the same time that had the same expectations and that's chattanooga you know they had a rich history as well for whatever reason chattanooga never lived up in in my opinion never lived up to that those you know expectations like detroit city has yeah It'll be interesting to see how they do this year. I, I do think they'll, they'll, I think they'll hopefully fill the role of of uh, uh, Detroit City. But 
your thoughts on Detroit City in in Nisa? Now, yeah, obviously, um, performance wise, you know, we deboed the entire league. I mean, I don't think that's you know, you <laughs> I don't everything. think that's surprising. They won everything that they possibly could, and I think a lot of that, you know, is credited to. Um, Trevor James and, you know, mm -hmm. his um, coaching and management skills and being able to put together a squad uh, that was not only sufficient for Nisa, but, you know, um, I have to believe that uh, was in preparation, beginning to be in preparation uh, for what it might look to move beyond that, you know, at some point in time, you know, I think that he does a great job of bringing the right kind of guys together, you know, as you know, as I know, um, a team is more than a bunch of just talented individuals, mm -hmm. you know, um, there are a lot of guys that were a part of our squad that are extremely talented that didn't even get a whole lot of play within that system because, you know, the gaffer had a certain approach that he was taking based off of the league. You know, a good example would be Roddy green, Roddy green, kid's dope you know what i mean so he's 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 very very talented glad to see he's at chattanooga now you know but you know he um didn't necessarily solidify a starting 11 spot within the system but you know um in a different system that would you know potentially allow his best of qualities to shine um you know he's going to be a star I, I think he's going to go down there to chattanooga and and he's gonna he's gonna shock some people. I mean, I already know that he did in the preseason. Yeah, he did on his trial. I mean, he was putting goals in the back of the net while he was a trialist. Anyway, um, so performance wise, obviously, you know, I think that is what it is. Um, Nisa, I'm I'm I was uh, a big fan of Nisa. Um, still am, still am, because I go back. Yeah, to they, they the, play a pivotal part. I, you I know, really do think believe that. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Well, and 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 my thing is, you go back to um, what was it, the summit of a summit on America soccer, um, that mm -hmm. happened in Chattanooga some years ago, right mm -hmm. before NISA, and you had all these clubs come together and say like these are the core values that we agree in, and folks signed on it. And obviously, some may, may some lived up to it, some may have just been signing uh, like a rubber stamp. Who knows? You know, didn't really dug through it a whole lot, but some would criticize that some of them that, that signed didn't necessarily, you know. Um, put put their money where their mouth was in, in, in terms of that or, or make a legitimate sacrifice to live up to those values. But at the end of the day, um, I, one of the things that was clear was that NISA as a league in terms of its foundational values was consistent with what was drafted at that summit. And uh, I, still I still believe that. Um, I still believe that it's possible that it can, it, that it can flourish. I think that there's certainly um, – were some questionable ownership in there and questionable structure in terms of power <laughs> and decision making. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, you know, it, it, it Pizza Gate. <laughs> yeah, Pizza Gate. And, you know, I've heard things about, you know, one owner having quite a financial stake in a, in a few different uh, clubs and mm -hmm. folks having veto power of this. And that. You know, so that stuff is obviously a little bit concerning for somebody who was stumping for a league. Well, not. I don't want to say I was stumping for the league because it wasn't like I was, you know. But it's it, it I, was, to me the problem that Nice has done is they set that expectation of hey we're going to be an open league we're going to yeah. you know, we're gonna, we're going to treat to the to the grassroots to the really indie teams that want to be able to build and grow. 
Yeah. And I don't, the, the leadership at the top, number one, there's not enough leadership. Um, number two, you know, and I lived through this with, with NASL, um, is you've got to have a proper front office that, that can help guide the owners. And then yeah, and and doesn't a, have that. And that, and that is a big, uh, legitimate criticism right there. Uh, you know, and I think that's, that's, a, that's a piece. Now I, I, I kind of come from the frame of mind, uh, in terms of our departures that, mm-hmm. I believe that there were more pull factors to USL than there were push factors from NISA. Um, but I think that people can legitimately push back on that idea. I, I think that, you know, like you had um, alluded to the the potential of a professional women's league. I think that the youth academy and that mm-hmm. structure within USL, you know, it's a big, big pieces of our club that we want to nurture. You know what I mean? I did, I got a chance to talk to Tyler McManus just today for the 451 pod. It, interviews going to be coming up in a while. Um, and he's the director for youth development for a mm. club. And so we were talking about that, like um, how we were already building um, a pretty significant um, youth development uh component of our club um and then obviously it was beneficial to step into a system that had um a good structure uh where that can flourish and so that that's legitimate now you know with nisa um you know it's it's like it, it you know one of the it reminds me of players who have an amazing amount of raw talent mm-hmm Bet you never see it because they're because they get, they're getting away. because their highlight film sucks. They don't have good. They don't. You know what I mean? Like you know, you're you're watching their highlight films on YouTube and they look like a little ant. You know what I mean? And then they don't even circle who the person is. And it's like, how can you get noticed? How can you get noticed as a player when you have, you know, that? But obviously, there's a lot of complexity into that. These are young men and young women. And with Nisa, it was a young league. You know what I mean? So I do think so that's that at the times issue. It's, a, it's a young league. And I think supporters um, are supporters as well as um, um, other supporters and, and obviously folks from outside of the league that were just waiting for the downfall of Nisa, you know what I mean? Just want in, in some ways, just think it's just another distraction. I think there was a lot of unfair, uh, unfair criticism and, and, and that there is something legitimate to be said about clubs launching off in the professional level and a league that is launching off in the professional level in the middle of a global pandemic for two years. You know what I mean? And it's like, you can't, and these, and these are for the most part, um, are, are small businesses, these clubs. Now they might have a deep pocket that is a primary owner and all that, you know what I mean? But for all intents and purposes, these are small businesses that are launching to another level of risk in the middle of a pandemic. And, and I just, I felt like, you know, man, it was, that was, that was difficult to see so much focus just being like amplifying certain things with the league. Now, like I said, but then there's legitimate criticism. There's things that Nisa did that teed that up for people. Here's my biggest issue with Nisa is I love the idea of um, NISA overall, but it was what NISA, then NISA Nation, 
which mm-hmm. is, and, and I love the idea of Nisa Nation. And, and I do. But the problem is, is you haven't got Nisa down stable yet. Right. Also, on top of that, they were also trying to work with what UWS originally mm-hmm. uh, for the women's game. Then they said, you know, that short lived. That, uh, didn't, yeah, I think it lasted three months, maybe. Yeah, I don't believe that. Yeah. And then they did the, what was it, WISL, I believe is what it is. They announced it, but yet you haven't heard anything since then. To me, it, you know, and this is where I go back to the lack of the leadership at the top, is if they would have took the time and said, okay, hey, yes, we're we're starting out, you know, you know, in the pandemic, you know, it's just, it's, it's horrible time. Focus these two, three years on NISA, then work to kind of build back. And, and I know, I know, it, I know it's hard because, you know, I follow protagonist soccer and, and if you don't, you should. And, and if you can support, you know, Dan and the gang, yeah. you know, they do a great, they do a great, great amount of work, not only for NISA, but, you know, all of lower league okay. soccer uh, for that here. But to me, they needed to get that foundation and they didn't. And then unfortunately, and this, this is where it's going to be a test for USL, NISA, and every and everybody, every other lower league here. MLS has decided, hey, I want to hop in and they're <laughs> going to do MLS Next Pro. But because NISA doesn't have that foundation, there's already whispers of, you know, Chattanooga, if things don't get corrected in, in, a, in, in a proper way, just because they can't go to USL because of USL's dumb decision. Uh, to put, you know, the, the red team there. I don't even call them by the name, but the red team. Um, <laughs> the sad wolves. <laughs> uh, I, I just call them the red team. Uh, you know, for I don't even acknowledge a name. Uh, but to me, you know, like I said here, because of that, that closed that closed the door, you know, on Chattanooga to most likely come to, to USL that it's going to most likely either drive them back down, which I don't foresee happening. I do think that they stay professional and unfortunately at least short term make the move to MLS next pro. If things don't improve, that's just my speculation, just, you know, on reading some tea leaves and uh, through here, but. If, you know, if, if USL could somehow reconcile that situation and, I mean, I don't see it happening, don't get me wrong, but if there were some way to rectify that situation and reconcile what happened there, and you had... There is a way for them to do it. Now, whether they'll do it, well, to me, it would... To me, how they do it is they give the owner, give him the team in Boise, a USL championship team in Boise. Just go ahead, hey, you know, we're going to give you the rights to a championship team. You're not going to have to buy in anymore. Now, here's where the difficult part is. The Chattanooga FC would have to work with the red team to be able to negotiate. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. to give the credit to the red team, they have done a decent job of, of, of building a proper stadium there. Um, I know the location isn't perfect if you talk to somebody you know, you know know from – from Chattanooga, but from ever from all things that I know, the stadium itself is, is isn't bad. Um, you know, there's the whole academy structure, and there's drama behind behind that yeah. to where you know it could go back to uh, CFC. So 
there is some work that could be done. Um, I know the owner of Chattanooga is the mayor. Uh, so, you know, hopefully he can kind of, you know, put on his diplomatic hat and, you know, each side's going to have to, each side's going to have to swallow, you know, a little bit of pride if they want to make it happen. But I do, I think there is a way to do it, but we all know that egos, you know, it's, yeah. egos is going to prevent it from happening. It's, 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 and I'm not it, saying egos on, uh, on Chattanooga's side so alone. See, right. I think, I think yeah. there's a lot of egos going in on the red side. And a lot of egos at the league office um, that had hurt feelings because Chattanooga Chattanooga said no, said no. Yeah, you know, and and I think from the outside in, I think one thing that a lot of observers, particularly those observers who are dismissive of the the pain that that caused mm-hmm. CFC supporters, I think one of the disconnects is, and, and I think. Most of us, we've gone. We, we we have a little bit different views on the situation. You and I have gone back. Right, with right, it. right. Now but, we all agree that you know what USL did was shitty, but you know, to me, to me, none of the parties are innocent. I'm talking about ownership groups, not talking about the fans or anything along those lines. Um, you know, along those lines here to where you know Chattanooga was open to the idea. It sounded like that there was a split in the board. Now you can kind of question the ethics of, of some of the, you know, some of the board members, you know, that ended up leaving and then going over, um, you know, it just, it's, it's an ugly situation for soccer. And, and unfortunately that's what yeah. us soccer likes is, or that's how it's built. I guess, you know, it's how the mouse yeah. trap mousetrap is designed as, as the great uh, Chris Kessel, uh, Kessel uh, uh, says. Yeah. So, but, you know, like what I was getting ready to say was like, I think one of the disconnects that people have is when you have a club like Chattanooga FC that organically emerged out of the community, like it was mm-hmm. a community led effort that it wasn't like, you know, some people enjoy their soccer teams because they just popped up out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Somebody bought franchise rights and then said, all right, I'm going to jump, you know, like some guy from, let's say Utah, you know what I mean? Comes in and (laughs) plops a bunch of money down and says, we're going to, we're going to pop up a club. You know what I mean? And there may be limited, um, you know, uh, energy coming from uh, the community. You know what I mean? To make that happen. Chattanooga FC, the soccer team is the community. You know what I mean? Um, the community is the soccer club. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they're, they're so intertwined that when a situation happens that begins to divide that, it's not even just about, you know, like dividing it in a sense of, okay, somebody's coming. They're going to split the team up. The women's team is going to go over here to this side, and they're going to take some of the youth structure, and they're going to go over to this side. And it's just like this functional business relationship. No, but but we're talking about this is a community. Mm-hmm. This isn't just a detached soccer team franchise or sports franchise or whatever. You know what I mean? And then somebody comes in, and they're just going to restructure departments like they might do. I work in higher ed. So they restructure. Like this is, these are people's lives. These are people taking their children, you know what I mean, to, you know, an academy, building relationships with coaches that now all of a sudden have been plucked out of that system and put over here. So, you know, I think that there's that piece where, you know, um, the pain that comes with that situation is deeply embedded because it wasn't just a division of a soccer team. It was a division of a community. And, you know, um, 
you know, I, I had a, I had a, um, a conversation uh, episode a few episodes ago with Jim Hicks, who's the co-host of the 423 pod out of Chattanooga, mm-hmm. and then an extended time with him where we talked in depth about this. Um, you he know, loves I, USL. <laughs> yeah, 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 really, really. You know, but but with that being said, he still, you know, he gets it. You know what I mean? He yes. he 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 understands the complicated nature of us making that jump. You know what I mean? And that and actually that Chattanooga situation is an example of one of the areas that made it difficult for me when we were talking about going to USL because it was like, this is my friend. (laughs) You know what I mean? Whether you engaged it or you were a passive enabler of allowing it to happen, you know, it was like, okay, now like the enemy of my friend is (laughs) providing the house for (laughs) my community to reside in you know it to a certain extent right and it's so but obviously there's a lot of complexities to it um so speaking of the transition to usl championship how was that received you know because i actually uh, attended you know the 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 meeting virtually uh for the press here, conference you know, the press conference when they announced it um it's been what, six months Probably yeah, since then, December, right? Yeah, yeah, three months. Yeah, wow, it seems like it's been longer. <laughs> yeah, it was December. I think beginning was December. It was so obviously there was the initial shock. Um, although I've talked with a couple of uh, Detroit City supporters that they weren't as shocked. Just because, just they they could see the the path starting to develop the last couple, the last year, you know, with, with the NISA um, where something had to change, you know, we'll, we'll just, we'll just leave it at that. Um, but, you know, for the supporters, for the community, because, you know, to be fair, Detroit city caught some grief uh, moving to USL championship because, yeah, yeah. you know, you guys were one of the faces of quote, you know, quote unquote, the indie soccer scene mm-hmm. uh, for that here. So, yeah. How is that adjustment um, now that we're what less than 24 hours from kickoff? How has that adjustment been for the fan base and, and the community of, of Detroit City? You know, I think that the trust that has been built between supporters and our front office, particularly our founders, you know, again, Sean, Alex, Dave. Mm -hmm. Todd particularly Um, there's a lot of trust there that um, that they're going to make decisions that's not going to hinder what we're building here Mm -hmm. my my so so I think that there was a mixed bag reaction it's hard to it's hard to know that from the outside in because you know when you look at our supporter base um, a lot of attention is captivated from obviously the Northern Guard, right? The not the only, but certainly the the largest and loudest support. The most group. known, yeah, and 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 definitely the most present um, in social media and other and uh, in, in other ways, right? Obviously, a majority of the supporters that are going to be coming down there tomorrow that are already there, a lot of them are going to be affiliated with the Northern Guard, not all of them, but um, so you have that sentiment. Um, and even within even even within that group, the people who affiliate themselves with the Northern Guard, you know, there's a mixed bag. You know what I mean? So, um, but I think overwhelmingly, um, supporters 
trusted the move and thought uh, there must be something pretty bad or something pretty appealing for us to make that jump. And I think that one thing that is clear that for us to continue to garner the momentum that we need in terms of investment, we needed to move up into mm -hmm. an, a higher tier. When you start talking about garnering sponsorship dollars and generating revenue that we need to serve our community the way that we would like to serve our community, the reality is, is that, look, we, we've experienced at the amateur level being really, I don't think it's an overstatement to say internationally known for an amateur club, right? Yeah, you um, guys have hosted international exactly. uh, friendlies that at the time everybody's like, Why, what? How, how is yeah. Detroit City doing this? And 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 beat some of them too. <laughs> <laughs> it's a friendly, yeah, but yes. No man, it's serious. <laughs> Me, no, no, they put their best up there. No, just, um, listen, I yeah, heard. We don't, so, we don't, I heard some of the teams did. You know, they may not have started, but they did make some adjust, yeah, adjustments. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, and, we don't need to get into details of all that. You know, let's just look at the scoreboard. <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, certainly at the amateur level and at the at the um, the Division three level. You know what I mean? Um, made a lot of noise and not just noise in terms of pop and smoke and singing and chatting, right? And, and, and getting wild on social media, but like on the pitch, the fellas were making noise. Mm -hmm. You know, even in MPS, we didn't win a championship in the MPSL, but we made it to the semifinals. That would be worthy of a promotion playoff in another system. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, in, in some ways, right? Um, and we And we would barely at times barely get coverage even from our local local media you that know what i mean change. i don't think and, that's gonna change with usl i hate to tell you that right well no it's it is i mean we're already seeing it change we definitely oh, are, are you change. yeah we're we're seeing an uptick in that um at least from my perspective we are um but you know so you figure stuff like that, um, you know what I mean? And like I said, getting investment, you know what I mean, for the club. I think that that's just, you know, USSF has enabled a crabs in a bucket mentality in U.S. soccer. You know what I mean? And we're just mm -hmm. sitting here pulling one another down from league to league and club to club in different ways. You know what I mean? So that is what it is. It complicates things. Um, so I, I, I think that to answer your question overall, I think that um, people – trusted the decisions that were making that were that were being made for the jump now i do think that some um I, and i still feel like you know in some ways there were some issues with nisa that were unnecessarily amplified mm -hmm. that i still don't know the details to i got a lot of information that was out there that was trust me this trust me that wait until this comes out now i don't play that i mean even right. with my own fellow supporters here that's just not me you know my criticisms my concerns with going to USL championship or within the USL system have to do with literally reading a franchise disclosure document and seeing where the starting point of negotiation was for a lot of things and going, yeah, I don't like where that could potentially go, you know? Um, and, um, and, and I've not seen it. So, so, so my criticism comes from what I've actually seen in a legal document <laughs> that would be binding um, after negotiation. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, so there were just a lot of things that I was hearing about Nisa, you know, uh, obviously, you know, for example, like we would hear pay the refs, you know what I mean? The issue with, yeah, the issue with the refs, yeah, yeah, I mean, obviously that's an issue. Everybody, you know what I mean? The refs should be paid. And I, but I, uh, to this day, 
What what is the context to all of it? I don't know. Nobody's been able to. Nobody is officially on record to to say it. Nisa. Yeah, I think that Nisa said, "Hey, there was a payment issue, but it was quickly resolved." Right. Uh, which, so, given yeah. the benefit of the doubt, that could happen. So yeah. So I, I don't. I just. I don't know. And I'm also thinking about payment issues again within the context of a global pen. It's it's no excuse. You pay your workers, right? I'm. I mean, I'm a union man myself. I'm in a union myself. I don't. I believe in. You know what I mean. Um, the rights of workers and fair compensation. So it's that's not the thing, you know what I mean? But I just know that when chatter starts to emerge in social media, you know, and otherwise, and I, and, and I don't have details to what's happening, um, then, you know, it's difficult for me to jump on that boat. So, um, I, so I don't know, you know, but, but clearly, clearly, I think that, um, Nisa had some serious operational issues. You know what I mean? Whether that is can solely be credited to them being a um, a new league trying to find their way within a landscape in American soccer that is going to be brutal for anything that is not MLS um, and a, a global pandemic and everything. I, you know, I, who who's to know? But if the if the owners of our club have sat in on meeting after meeting and said, yeah, this ain't going to work. And as much as we want to be um, a representation of independent soccer within the American landscape, what's most important is what we're doing right here at home in Detroit. And that's where Alex Wright, again, to mention him, when at the press conference, he, remember, he was talking about the move, and mm -hmm. he pointed right over his shoulder on the pitch at the field house. We were at the clubhouse for the announcement. Mm -hmm. He pointed at the pitch, uh, at the, uh, you know, down at the uh, field, and pointed at the youth and say, there's a generation there that can't wait to, can't sit here and wait to see, to see whether or not this happen. works out. And, and that's fair, because mm -hmm. for me, for me, in terms of my support and the foundations of 451 podcast in terms of goes back to 2010, the Detroit City Football League, a recreational soccer league that was brought together to connect and uh, connect residents and neighborhoods in the city of Detroit to uplift the city of Detroit. This club that came out of that league, right, mm -hmm. when the owners met, was always intended to uplift our city. You know what I mean? And if I can respect that, the need for that is too dire for us to sit in an idealistic pocket and wait to see if folks are going to get their stuff together. And so that was that was a changing point for me um, in terms of um, me trying to make sense of the jump. Um, I was very reserved when it when I heard of it, but if I didn't really, if I didn't have the respect, the admiration, and the trust of our ownership um that probably would have been quite different i can tell you uh, so i was with the club that started out in nasl right that's where i fell in love with the game um and nasl you know nisa is kind of an offshoot uh, of of that um usl was an adjustment um for here because you know and this is just how u.s soccer is built up is we're a club first, 
But if my club is playing in, in NISA or in ASL, hey, that's the league that I'm supporting. USL, you know, hey, nice league, but, you know, you're through there. So coming over to USL, for me, the, you know, it, it was, it was, hey, this is kind of cool, um, you know, because you're getting out of the uh, drama of, uh, you know, I was coming from the drama of NASL and, and, you know, teams coming in and out, you know, like gotcha. crazy. Nisa doesn't quite have that rust that that team turnover like NASL did at that time. Though you're starting or, to see a little bit or of it. USL did in their early years. People, or USL people forget no. about that. Yes, and and but <laughs> we, we may have to do another show because uh, to me NASL could have killed USL or kept USL at D three by a few by making a, a couple of adjustments that they had the opportunity to do. But because of their lack of leadership, well, it was a change in commissioner that, that what took took place. They didn't they didn't go that path. But to me, you know, so you, you guys have made the move here over to uh, USL. Um, I think I saw what most games that you guys have played in in a quote unquote season is what twenty something. I think on average, uh, last NISA was eighteen. Yeah. One was eighteen. Now that's not counting the uh, Legends Cup, which I think you guys played with four matches. Well, so eight, 20... 18, 18 pretty much in a half season, though. Well, no, twenty twenty one Nisa was one. Uh... Oh, that's right. You had eight in the first half. That's right. Uh, and then they went to they they changed their formation. So yeah, so you, in twenty twenty one you played eight and eighteen, so that's twenty six. And then you know you had the uh, Legends Cup and the Independent Cup. You know uh, along those lines here. But you're going to go from playing in, you know, in in that to a set league where it's what 34 matches uh, that you, that you're going to have. Obviously, we're the, we're the first match here. So expectations. Um, well, well, match, right? Match. <laughs> I call them matches. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm just joking. I'm. T- <laughs> So, I call them matches or games, whatever you want, whatever you want the proper. No, I was saying, you know, the idea of San Antonio being a match for us, but <laughs> we'll, we'll get tomorrow. to that here. Uh, I, I think we're going to differ on who the superior team is, and, and of course, we'll find out, you know, 24 hours from now. But uh, um, kind of your expectations on on because I do think that the, it is a step up. I think we can both agree yeah, to go yeah. from Nisa. To USL Championship, even the you know even the MLS two teams, and you're going to have three of them on your side here, are better than what was in what what, what was in NISA um, right, right, yeah. for the most part. And that's not to dog on NISA at all. It's it's just no. you know deep you know it's you know it, yeah, it's a, it should be the higher it's a higher level um, along those lines here. Um, but your kind of thoughts or expectations for Detroit City just kind of overall. Um, on the season, uh, you know, you know, you know, for them. Yeah. I mean, I think my, so the short answer is I expect this to be a solid mid table team and make the playoffs. That's, that's, that's my, that's, that's my seven range. Yeah. That's, that's my bar for, for the club. I think that we can, I think we can do that. Um, and a lot of that has to do with my trust in, um, 
Yeah, Trevor James and, and and his ability and and you know his connections and you know and seeing who else he can pull into the club and I think that even if even so I mean obviously we still have some work to do on our roster mm-hmm. but um but even the roster that we do have are is, is quality you know what I mean mm-hmm. in a variety of ways so I, I think that they can definitely you know um, be a solid mid table team in its first year uh, and then you know if they exceed those expectations great. I, I don't think that, um, you know, obviously with the squad that we're bringing to the table, um, I think maybe about half of the squad right now are returners from our club last year, from the squad last year, roughly. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously brought in a few other of the uh, the NISA All-Stars with us and, <laughs> and, and pulled from some talent from – uh, USL championship, some of the NISA, ta- uh, the NISA talent that we pulled in um, or USL League One talent that we pulled mm-hmm. in also had uh, USL championship experience at different times. You know what I mean, too? So, um, I, you know, I think that – I think one thing we have to remember about when it comes to the talent that, that we have or any um, club has – at the professional level in American soccer, that because of the way that our system is set up mm-hmm. and that we pretty much, not pretty much, we have a closed pyramid. There is a lot of talent that is being passed up. Exactly. So if, if a player, if we have a player that's most of his talent is at the division three level and he hasn't had the opportunity to play in USL championship to me, that doesn't mean that that player is lackluster in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's only, there's a finite le- amount of teams in the one league that's there. And, you know, if it would be different, if we had a system where, you know, clubs could move up and down and, and merit based and you would have a different kind of, a relatively more different distribution of that talent because you might have division three teams that were trying to beef up their clubs for the purpose of being promoted. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So I think that there's a lot of men um, in professional soccer that are being passed up that need some tender, loving care that we, we see it all the time. Look at how many, how many, you know, young men are being, you know, going through that MLS draft and you know what I mean? Getting, getting, drafted and then end up you know what i mean being spit out somewhere else (laughs) you know what i mean all the time time. that's it's just it's a we've had so many players that came through our system you know what i mean here in detroit or through our club you know here in detroit that were that exact story we you know we have some that were signed this year and some who do not have usl championship experience you know what i mean so um you know, I, so I'm so I'm pretty confident. You know what I mean. And and I also there's a couple of players that are in the mix. You know that um, for me, as somebody who might not have as much of a sophisticated eye um, for certain things as a Sean Spence or a Sean Grogan. You know what I mean. Some of these mm-hmm. are some of the supporters in our in our base, or even Jaime. You know what I mean. And Dennis and Allen, who are part of the 451 pod, and Kelly. You know, uh, have more of a sophisticated eye. You more know the technical some of the, side. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know what I mean. I was a highly competitive player back in the day, but we're talking like 20 years. I'm on my <laughs> L Bundy. You know. Um, so there are things that um, that the gaffer sees in these guys that I'm like, hmm, I, I don't, I don't know if I see it, but there's a lot that I don't see. I didn't exactly. see that. I didn't see that in Connor Rutz. 
You know what I mean? And and look at Connor. Connor has seized the opportunity. I didn't. I didn't at one time. I wasn't sure if I saw that in Nate Steinwasher. Mm-hmm. Man, I, and I just I just interviewed him in the last episode that I had. I said, you know, not only did you solidify your spot as the number one keeper in this club, you solidified yourself at the Division Three level and slapped the ever living uh out of Nisa. You know what I mean? Um, obviously, and they had a strong backline and whatnot. You know, but um, so there are these guys that. Um, that it seems like Trevor's able to pull out the best. So anyway, long story short, you know, um, I think that we can definitely be a club that makes the playoffs. That's going to be my bar. And um, I'm just looking forward to seeing what Trevor James is, is, is going to be able to do. I know from having interviewed quite a few of the players already um, for the podcast um, that which isn't surprising. What I'm saying isn't isn't necessarily surprising when I had these interviews, but the type of person that Trevor is pulling into the club, not only are these very technically skilled and gifted players, but they're, they mesh well. We've got mm-hmm. a really humble bunch. You know what I mean? We, we're going to have a really cohesive unit, and, and that is something that is extremely undervalued. They're very athletically capable, but more than anything, and this is this, the guys will tell you themselves when they did what they did in Nisa last year. A lot of that was credited to the chemistry that they the had within the squad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you could have a bunch of, you know, we, we see it. It's a, it's a tale as old as days, right? That, you know, star, star players that come in and just, you know, they mess up the entire funk of the team. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and, and they're great. They're very technically gifted, but you know, you never really have a squad, you know what I mean? And so, so I think, so I think there's that. And I also think that one thing that is over or is, 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 um, is undervalued and under misunderstood or is, is easily bypassed from the outside in is that Detroit as a city, along with our sports teams that have often done their best when they embrace this creed is in a very natural position when we are underdogs mm-hmm. and we feed on it. It feeds right into what we call the spirit of Detroit. You know what I mean? And so that's not a situation where even though our club has been successful on the pitch at the division three level, by no stretch of the imagination are these guys, you know what I mean? Sitting on their laurels, you know what I mean? Right. And, and, and and they're not going to buckle under pressure. You've got guys, for example, I just had an opportunity to um, interview, um, um, Fran- Francis um, Atuene, right? Mm-hmm. Who um, certainly is a guy that had a lot, a lot, not had, has a lot of potential and then ran into some injuries, right? When I'm t- sitting down to talk to him, when he was telling me why he ended up going to University of Michigan for college instead of going and playing at like UNC or some of these other highly decorated men's programs at these other colleges, he went to U of M because they had never won the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He comes from a background, you know, he's comes from Ghana, you know what I mean? And he comes from a community in Ghana, you know what I mean, where they had to make lemonade out of lemons. And he, and, and he is the type of person that really wants to uplift the underdog. You know what I mean? That's why he went to U of M. What's kind of funny in some sense when you think of academically U of M being an underdog because it's a very prestigious <laughs> university. But the soccer but but for the soccer, soccer problem. Different, right. mm-hmm. and, 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 and he said that had a lot to do, um, you know what I mean? With and that's the his, men's side. The women's side, from my understanding, is very good. 
Exactly. Yes. Thank you for making that distinguishing very, the, the internalized patriarchy that is coming out of me. <laughs> yes. The men's side, that program specifically, um, you know what I mean? Has struggled and that, and that, and that's why he wanted to go there because he wanted to be a part of that crew that would actually bless them with that first big 10 title. And he did just that, you know what I mean? And he's come and, and, and his story in terms of why he's coming here, not only because of that, as we make this jump and they know it's going to be a new challenge, you know what I mean? There's that kind of creed there. And, and that is very, that's, that's very undervalued. You know what I mean? People don't, you know, it's a long, I get it. It's a long and tedious season and USL championship is a different beast as it should be. The budgets are bigger. Like, I t like we were chatting, you know, look, man, if your budget is that big compared to a NISA squad and you and you aren't better competitively, then you need to go sit in the corner and take a seat because you, you don't belong here. Right. You should be able to do more with more. You know what I mean? And I will say this I, I, and I've, I've got it queued up. I just haven't put it out yet. I have Detroit, or actually, I think I did put it out here. Um, uh, I have Detroit City finishing eighth, just out of the playoffs. Yes, and, I did, yeah. and it's and it's going to depend on how they start because I'm not going to lie to you. I'm happy we're playing Detroit City. You know, part of me would have loved to gone up to gone up to Detroit City because that is on the bucket list to be able to do is is to to go to Keyworth and, and experience uh, experience uh, it up there. Keyworth, yeah. However, I do think, you know, just like with the Oakland Roots, now Oakland Roots, you know, not as successful in NISA as, as uh, Detroit City, but they, I think they what, made the finals, right? If memory serves me correct. Yeah, they lost to us. Um, <laughs> uh, in, in the finals. We chipped and, them. <laughs> and so, but they got off to a slow start you, just because there is going to be an adjustment. The, the speed's yeah. different. The physicality's different. Um you know, and, and I know you guys got Billy Forbes, you know, Hoppano, um, you know, Declan Lynn, you know, I know those are names that have played in, 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 in USL championship. I also think that if Detroit city would have played in USL championship, that you guys already have a USL championship quality team. Like if you had played last year and, and I, I kept some grief on it, but I watched some of the games that you guys had and watch all of them, but you know, I, I did, you know, go on to 11 sports and, and watch uh, the Detroit cities. And, and especially when it was on B, uh, B and extra uh, yeah. for that here, the Detroit city is not a team to take light, you know, especially for San Antonio. And I don't believe that they are, don't get me wrong. Um, you know, I know Maxi Rodriguez, uh, who is a San Antonio Local kid, uh, went you know, uh, for it here, did the EDP program, yeah, you know, when yeah. San Antonio started, uh, played a couple of years with us, uh, I think went to Richmond and then, you know, has found a home up, up in Detroit city. Yeah. Uh, Pato, Pato. never played with uh, San Antonio FC, but, uh, you know, did go to school here. Right. Uh, Billy Forbes is what, three times, you know, has played in San Antonio. So you've got people or you've got players on the team that, Number one is going to know what it's going to be like, you know, to play San Antonio, and, and it's different coaches. Don't get me wrong, that than than from what they're here, but Detroit City isn't going to be coming in going, oh my God, you know, this is Toyota Field, you know, this isn't Championship Park out, you know, playing, you know, Cal United, you know, in in front of a couple of, you know, you know, a couple mm -hmm. of thousand fans, you know, I, I I would expect that there's going to be five, six thousand fans at minimum. Um, and the reason why I say that is because you know, I hate to say this, but 
it's going to be cold in San Antonio. Uh, you know, I think it's what's supposed to be in the mid forties, fifties. Oh man, how you which... all survive down there? I, don't... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, just... I said cold for San Antonio. <laughs> I get it. I know. I stayed in. I stayed in Durham for a good four years. I get it. I get it. So that may, you know, like. I'll be interested to see what the crowd size is. Uh, historically, they do very well. Historically, though, you know, it's not this type of weather. So I, yeah. I'm interested to kind of see how that does turn out. But yeah, to me, like I said here, I will be interested kind of turning, you know, to, to the to the match here, how Detroit City is going to handle the high press of, of SAFC, the speed of SAFC, um, you know, especially on the outside for that and i know billy forbes got speed um i don't think pato is is the fastest uh, i could be wrong you know you, you might you know just on tv it doesn't seem like you know you know he's he's the perfect what i call a poacher uh striker where he's always in that right spot where he's supposed to be to be able to put it in um so i'm kind of looking forward to see the the chess match uh between you know the, the coaches alan marcina and uh, Trevor James. Yeah. Trevor James. I know you guys are very high on Trevor James. Um, it sounds like, you know, he has, you know, he, you know, you know, he's won everywhere he's been. Um, but, you know, this will be a new challenge, you know, not only that San Antonio is going to have to face, uh, but, you know, obviously he'll have some, some challenges coming through here, but from Detroit city side, what's kind of your expectations for this match, uh, you know, coming in? You know, um, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I haven't mean, seen them. Yes. yeah, you know, they've, you know, I've, uh, they've obviously fared well, um, against Indy and Phoenix, but you know, as you've pointed out, you know what I mean? At times, and I agree with you, these are friendlies and, you know, and, and both clubs, you know what I mean? In these competitions are, um, both of these clubs in in, in, in in these competitions are trying out new formations, trialists, you know what I mean, and figuring out a few things, tweaking things here and there. So, you know what I mean, who 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 knows, you know what I mean, what's brought to the table after some of those tweaks from those. So, I, I, I you know, I definitely – I know that there's some folks out there that think that we're going to go in there and, and get waxed, you know what I mean. They really I don't love that. that. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, probably a lot of that just has to do with, you know what I mean, the, the vocality of our our supporters that, you know, you people think? just want to shut us up. <laughs> but, you know, but here's the thing. One of the things that I'm really looking forward to for the fellas on the pitch when they go to these away matches, you know, one of the things that we experience in every league, well, I say in every league, in the, in the other two leagues that we played in, um, because we were the standard bearer when it came to bringing out the crowd for the matches, that obviously that's a boost of adrenaline for our fellas and for our women when they're on the pitch. But the other side of that that people forget about especially those who don't experience a full house that's rocking like keywords is that that boosts the other squad mm -hmm. that boosts we 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 pull out the best in our opponents at keywords because that, for many of them that's the first time that they've played in front of a crowd like that mm -hmm. and it lights a fire under their ass you know what i mean now our boys get to go and experience that at other venues Correct. They've they've it, had they've had to go to places where they were literally playing at a field in the middle of a 
public park for, <laughs> against a professional team that luckily the lights stayed on. Kind I of won't stuff. lie, there are still some of those. Oh, I know. I was, I was I watching a YouTube video of the stadiums last night in the East in the Eastern Conference, and I didn't realize how many damn baseball stadiums there were in USL. Well, last year, uh, Oklahoma City Energy, and they're they're uh, taking a hiatus uh, this year. Uh, we'll see if they're back. They played at it, and it's a. I've been to the stadium, historic Taft Stadium, but it's a high school stadium. Mm-hmm. And one of their games, uh, the power went out, and it never came back on. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had we, you know, one of our and old it, foes, AFC <laughs> Ann Arbor, had a situation like that in the NPSL playoffs, and the match had to be forfeited, and they had to like meet up halfway. I think they were playing Erie to. Oh, that was up. in the playoffs, right? Yeah, it was. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> they had to meet up halfway um, to play like the last twenty minutes or something like that. But I, yeah, that happened but, what last? I want to say last year or last couple of years. But yeah, yeah. I remember that story. But and I'm, so, I'm looking forward for that for that for for our guys to be able to have that beyond. You know what I mean? Um, our traveling supporters being there to help them on. You know what I mean? Just to have that extra boost to have a competitive crowd to face too in, in some of the places, obviously. And, and, and I will say this here, cause there has been some supporter group drama, um, which I inadvertently uh, created here. Um, <laughs> how do I say this without, Blowing up, blowing up your notifications on Twitter. Blow, blowing up things here for Northern Guard. Like I said here, they 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 have you know good or bad. They have a reputation, um, you know, for that here. And, and I'm going to put this on my team for San Antonio FC. You got to, and I hope every other team in in USL champion get give Northern Guard a chance. Um, we don't, I wasn't around. I don't know all the stories you hear stories about, you know, Northern guard getting involved and, and, you know, those lines here, but there's one of the things that I found out through this here is between supporter groups, we've got to have better communication. Cause I think a lot of this could have been avoided if the two supporters groups could have got ahead, got together ahead of time, kind of, you know, cl- cleared things up. Uh, along those along those lines here, and I do think you know, you know, from San Antonio FC and the San Antonio supporter groups, if things change, it that needs to be communicated out to some of us long term, uh, you know, you know, long term members of you know the Procteers or Mission City or Two Ten, um, because like I said here, you know, I stepped into it by you know you know. Northern Guard put out, hey, the do's and don'ts have come into Toyota Field. You know, it, it was perfect, you know, through here. And I, you know, I was like, hey, you know, don't forget pregame, you can stop by the tailgate. Little did I know that, you know, there there were issues with that here. Um, fair or unfair, you know, that's not going to be for me to make that determination. I personally didn't like the decision. I expressed it to my frustrations here. But to me, I, I just hope going forward, you know, both as a league, both for Northern Guard, both for, you know, San, you know, the San Antonio supporter groups, communication, not only, you know, between the supporters groups, but between internal and, and the supporters group of saying, hey, you know, you know, th- this this tailgate may be a little bit different, could have avoided all this drama. 
uh, that took place and, and like I said here. Um, but I think everybody's ready for the season to get started. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, for that here. But uh, Red, like I said here, it's been a great conversation. Uh, we will have to have conversations in the future here. Uh, you know, I don't know when we will play again because, you know, we're, we're typically in the West. You're typically in the East. Right. Um, you know, I, I am hoping and praying that we do get a chance, uh, San Antonio FC, to go up to Detroit. Um, unless we decide to take a family vacation to Detroit, which no offense, but Detroit isn't typically a, uh, hot spot for vacation. Not a tourist <laughs> destination. Yeah. We're working on that. So no, and it's not the city. It's just, you know, like I said here, it's, you know, it's, yeah. uh, I yeah. went to St. Louis, St. Louis is, I went, you know, what, two summers ago, we went, uh, St. Louis and, uh, Louisville. I made the trip over to Louisville before they opened up the new stadium. Yeah. Uh, for that here so there is a chance that uh, i may be able to take it up because i do understand that uh, michigan does have some wonderful lakes oh yeah uh, up there yeah. some fishing you know along those lines here so um stopping in in detroit and catching a game uh would be uh through there here uh robert rankin uh did uh you know say three one we'll let pato score you know because he's cool and, and you know, work it work it <laughs> Like, I think Pato is going to get a great, uh, great reception. Maxie's going to get a hell of a reception. I think Billy's going to get a hell of a reception here, which I, you know, I think will be interesting on how Detroit City, you know, kind of, you know, you know, recognizes that, you know, because Billy, Billy is a, Billy has been a fan favorite uh, here. Maxie's local, um, and I will say this. One of the proudest moments that we've had as as a as a as a club is uh, Jose Gallegos came up through our academy, um, was sold to a, a, a team over in uh, Danish playing in the Danish Superliga for you know for what five hundred some thousand is is the rumored thing here. I can tell you you know and I know you've already emphasized hey that that, that academy that youth structure and I know Detroit City's already got a solid pipeline. Yeah. On that here, there is nothing cooler than when, you know, your club can sign five academy kids that don't count against the cap that, you know, late in the game that they get to come on and, hey, making their first professional mm -hmm. appearance. Um, there, there's nothing better than that, you know, that's, for, that's for, like for a local community. One of one of the fellas that's um, on our roster, Bosh Tanyi, um, uh -huh. you know, he's a product of uh, he played un, uh, at Gross Ill um, mm -hmm. High School. And uh, he won uh, Mr. Michigan, best oh, nice. player in Michigan under the leadership of um, Jonathan Evans, who is a, um, a Detroit City FC legend. <laughs> nice. So it's cool to see him in the mix. You know what I mean? And yeah. And like I said, it's cool to see the, the, the move on. We have Leo Torres that got loaned to an MLS team uh, for that here. You know, and it, it's that's one of the that's one of the things that I love about um usl um especially compared to mls is number one at an mls level you're not getting this player player relationship you know you know like like you're able to have on your show like you know we're able to have at the stadium here um but number two you know to have that community base and i know detroit detroit city is more community based than san antonio fc it, it just you know just how you know San Antonio is a, you know, it's a corporate, you know, corporate owned team. And, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but it's not local owners like you have uh, for here, even though they are locally, it's, it's run a lot different. 
Um, but to me, it's, it's, I'm excited for Detroit city. Um, and I'll say this here, um, USL, you know, go get the cosmos. Let's, let's get this division two set up. Right. Um, cosmos are waiting. I know you got Queensboro coming in, you know, bring in the two New York teams together. And I know Jake Edwards, once again, on football Americas, you know, said end of year, maybe pro rel Let, let's, let's, let's get it done here. Let's, yeah. you know, and, and I know it's still closed, but I want Detroit city. I want Miami, and, city, Miami yeah. FC, or the Miami FC, you know, let, let's get everybody together because it, it'd be, it's the I mean, right I, thing. I think at the end of the day, when the, the, when the fed, you know what I mean? Takes the hands off, you know, model for all this, mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, the best that we can hope for is that something's going to be built within this league structure that is going to be at least somewhat appealing. And I would love to see, I'd love to see the Cosmos pulled into USL because, you know, we haven't had a good dinner in a while. So, <laughs> you know, we're dude, hungry. The Cosmos are fun, dude. I know people love and <laughs> hate them. No, actually, I'd never have any problem with them, but I love, I love poking at them. The, the, that, the... <laughs> <laughs> we we had them we had them we played them in in, in ASL. Robert, you can go to hell, man. I'm sorry. You know we are not bringing you know your pizza guy, your right. pizza buddy in, and Chicago yeah, spice yeah. it up. You they know. could yeah they could come to the to the <laughs> annual meeting and bring the pizza. I, I don't know if you know this, but Robert is the one uh, one of the f- people that got the New Amsterdam owner to give out pizzas. He was well, he, he was, was he never of, he never sent me my money. <laughs> I was one of the first people to respond. And that fool didn't send me my he didn't cash at well, me. Nothing. From your Detroit, man. Come on. <laughs> I gave him my Venmo. You guys have already won. I, I, I gave him my Venmo. I was I'm not giving him that. I'm not giving that fool my my, my address. <laughs> Here's my Venmo though. <laughs> uh, that was something yes. else. That was at least that entertained us in the in the off season. That was a couple a of days where it was like and the crazy part about this, and in, in, in this, this is completely non-San Antonio, <laughs> Detroit city here, but it's all good. He went on protagonist soccer, you know, with 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 Dan, you know, uh, yeah. you know on, on their podcast. Sounded like a reasonable guy. Is like, you know, hey, level-headed. Okay, yeah, makes sense. Brought, you know, highlighted that hey, there's some issues that you know he has, and it was. Okay, I can I can understand that as an owner, and then he just he just went off the rails and and like I said here you know I don't you know I'm not gonna co- you know, comment on you know why or what or, you know what yeah. led to it because that's not my position and and I have no no knowledge of what the hell was going on but it's, it's probably partial truths on both sides of it <sighs> it was just like uh, and then you know the Chicago house. To me, they're the they're the San Francisco deltas of uh, of uh, Nisa, where they came in with all this buzz of hey, we're we're going to be different, and they're taking a year off. So, but Red was yeah, definitely a pleasure. year off in American soccer. Uh, yeah, it was definitely a pleasure talking to you. I hate to say uh, that. So you know, like I said here, you know, hopefully we can get together and just talk, you know, lower league soccer again in the future. Uh, for that here, um, but uh, like I said here, uh, I know you're. I think you're still up in, in Detroit, so you're not making it down. But for all the Detroit City fans, like I said here, I do hope you have a good time. Hope, hopefully, uh, San Antonio treats you well outside of the 90 minutes. Uh, you know, for the 90 minutes, uh, like I said here, uh, it'll, it'll be a fun stadium. 
um, RGV, you still suck. Um, and I hope everybody <laughs> has a great evening. All right, brother. See you. Thanks. Appreciate it.